As 2020 comes to a close, we're taking a look back at our biggest challenges and achievements this year and what we're most looking forward to in the year ahead. My name is Erica Lam, and I'll be your host for this podcast. This year, we've seen a lot of changes. We adapted to a changing world in the midst of a global pandemic, saw the appointment of a new chief executive and chairman, and introduced a review into our methods and processes. We produced over 20 pieces of rapid guidance on COVID-19 and are continuing to work with health experts to become the single point of access for COVID-19 guidance and advice. With much to be proud of this year, in this episode, I'll be speaking with Professor Jillian Lang, our Chief Executive, and our new Chairman, Sharmila Nabrajani, OBE, as they reflect on 2020 and look forward to the years ahead. I'm Jillian Lang, and I'm the Chief Executive of NICE. Yes, hello, I'm Sharmila Nabrajani, uh, Chairman of NICE, and everybody calls me Shah. Thank you so much for joining me today. As we all know, 2020 has offered some unique challenges to the health and care system, and as a result, NICE has had to make adjustments to its way of working to respond to the developing pandemic. On top of this, you've both started in new positions with NICE this year, which must have been quite a challenge. Jill, you've been with NICE for a number of years, but what was it like taking over as chief executive during such a turbulent period? It's a really good question, and it was quite a surprise for me to take up the role with an organisation that had suddenly become entirely virtual. It certainly wasn't what I'd planned or expected. And what it meant was that I had to focus very much on how we were working, making sure staff all had the equipment that they needed to do their jobs from from home. But it also meant we had an opportunity to support the wider healthcare system too by providing rapid guidelines and advice on new drugs as they came through. And it was great to be able to provide that advice. So uh, all in all, it gave us an opportunity, as well as a challenge, an opportunity to do things differently, to do things quickly. And we've learned a lot from that. How did you find joining as our new chairman this year, Shar? Well, it was a bit of a challenge. Uh, I started at the end of May. And so it means I've hardly met a nice capitalised person uh, in the flesh. And what I've learned about it is how important the non verbal cues are not only when you're trying to uh, speak to people and ask questions but when you're trying to form relationships both within and outside uh, the organization so I've asked myself some questions about how to engage and to be uh, sort of open to questions to speak more succinctly when we know people are doing everything on a screen and it's been a real journey uh, I can tell you I cannot wait to meet people in the flesh So, Jill, what are your strategic ambitions for NICE as our new chief executive? Well, my underpinning ambition for for, for me and and for NICE is to really make a difference to the health of the population. Uh, That's what NICE's role is about. We are evaluating new treatments, new interventions, and we need to then get the effective ones quickly to patients and to make sure that the care they people receive is in line with best practice so fundamentally the ambition is to make make a difference and of course we have a world-leading reputation for the methods that we use to evaluate and assess the evidence and moving forwards we need to build on that reputation we need to build on what we've done successfully by uh, using things like real world data by being able to evaluate digital technologies and to do it in a more agile way so that there is a rapid approach to what we do as well as rapid access for patients. What are the biggest challenges NICE faces in achieving your ambitions for the organisation? 
One of the biggest challenges we face is the one of making change happen. You know, change is hard, it takes time, it takes energy and resources. So I'm confident that the staff at NICE are absolutely committed to direction of travel and to the changes we need to make. However, there is a lot to do and resources are a challenge. So what we need to do is to look at uh, how we can make sure we have sufficient capacity to take the organisation forward, to structure it in an efficient way of working so that we can deliver our ambitions over the next few years. You know, your your, your point really is about change. So NICE is such a successful organisation, yet it realises that, you know, it needs to change and develop as the world changes around it. And my observation is that if you inherit a broken organization or a weak organization change is really easy it's much much harder if an organization is successful is at the forefront of thought leadership and is so internationally respected and it seems to me therefore that our challenge is to create an appetite for change that will allow us to make those changes so Jill's point about making kind of incremental changes is really important because that way we get confident that we can do it and the system looks at us and says yeah those changes are worth having and um, are, are in the right direction so I think we do have to be brave but we can't stand still. How different do you think the organization will be in three to five years time? I think we've seen some of the future from the way we've been working to support the COVID pandemic. So things like being flexible, being collaborative with our key partner organisations, using technology to make us efficient and to deliver products on time when our stakeholders need them. So we've got to build on all of that for the future to create an agile workforce and able to deliver an integrated output. And that output has to be really accessible to people so they can find our recommendations easily whenever they need them and therefore able to put them into practice more easily and benefit patients so uh, a lot a lot of a lot of change to deliver but very much building on the work that we've we've already put in in train I think that NICE's role is going to be uh, ever more critical. We face in the post-pandemic world extraordinary uh, fiscal pressures uh, as a country and, of course, in funding of the health system. And in those sorts of revenue-fixed organisations, how you choose to allocate uh, medical budgets is going to be very, very important. So NICE's role in determining whether things are not just clinically effective, but cost-effective against the next best alternative is going to be uh, critical. Add to that the tsunami of new products that will come at us in the next three to five years. Uh, NICE's role in helping to navigate the evidence base for those products and to help the system to identify which ones are worth adopting is going to be ever more important. This year we changed our processes to allow for the rapid production of guidance for COVID-19 in addition to our routine guidance. We also announced a review of our health technology evaluation methods. Can you talk a little bit about this? What does this review entail? Yes, in terms of our, our methods review, we've needed to take a look at things that have, have happened over the last five to ten years because the world has changed and there have been lots of new treatments, personalised medicines, genomic technologies. So lots and lots of things have happened since NICE's first piece of guidance went out on paper in 1999. So 
In terms of NICE's methods for evaluating technologies, we're aware that there have been some external developments, both in the types of evidence and the academic methods, but also the, the new range of products that we might be looking at. So it's been important to keep up to speed with those changes. And in particular, we've been looking at three things modifiers. So at the moment, we use something called end-of-life criteria to add weight to our quality assessment, quality-adjusted life years. And in future, we might look at different modifiers, things like severity of disease. So that's been one area of focus, modifiers. We've also been looking at uncertainty because increasingly as new products come through early in their life cycle, we might have less evidence than we would have had in the past. So we need new ways of handling that uncertainty. And we've also been looking at something called the discount rate, which is a technical mechanism that is really quite important, particularly for things that have long-term benefits rather than short-term ones. Why is it important to NICE and the work we do to hold reviews of our processes? It is important because NICE has very much led the world in our approach of evaluating the evidence of our methods of cost effectiveness. And as I said earlier, the world changes and we do need to make sure that we have taken any new developments into account, that we're in a really good position to, say, evaluate digital technologies. We know the benefits that they might have and NICE's role is to take a, a critical look at whether they really will deliver those benefits for the system and then to help them be put into place. So it's crucial that we have as part of an ongoing way of working a review of how we do what we do and therefore deliver benefits to the wider system. Why is it important to work with academic partners and experts from around the world on projects like this? What NICE does in our assessment is really quite highly technical and it's an academic assessment of the best available evidence and the research studies and the data. It's a technical task, scientific task, but then we need to make sure that it translates into highly practical recommendations and accessible recommendations that genuinely make a difference to patients. So we really do need to draw on the best brains around the world to make sure that what we do is world leading. And one of the benefits of the, the COVID pandemic has actually been some great international collaboration at all sorts of levels. Our stakeholders are also important in shaping how NICE fits within the life sciences industry. What have you learned from stakeholders about the role they wish NICE to play in the coming years? So I have been meeting stakeholders both uh, in the UK, within the system and internationally. And I heard an amazing unanimity of opinion. Everybody to a person said, look, NICE is a beacon for evidence-based medicine, for rigour, for quality and for really deliberative debate. So that's what they want more of. They want absolutely for us to continue uh, with that authoritative beacon position. Um, however, there are huge changes coming down the line at us, whether that is the accelerating pace of science that's going to bring personalised medicine uh, and expensive genomic cures right at us, whether it is medical interventions that use AI and digital technology, or whether the next product that we're called upon to evaluate doesn't come from a life sciences company. So they are looking for NICE to point the way in how the system can maximise patient care by embracing all of these changes. How would you like to see NICE evolve in the future? 
I hope that the organisation can achieve all of the strategic objectives we set out for the good of patients and for the good of uh, the country, but that NICE continues to do so in its own characteristic way. And, and, and I observe that characteristic to be, you know, incredibly low ego, but curious, interested, and most of all committed to the purpose of the organisation. So, you know, I hope and believe that we can deliver the change that we want, that we can be a partner for a system health-wide that needs to change, but we can do so while continuing the things that we're good at, which is evidence, curiosity, and commitment. And finally, is there anything you'd like to highlight as a particular success from 2020? 2020 has been an unprecedented year. I think it's fair to say, isn't it? That's uh, yes. that's that's it's not been the year anyone expected to have, and the pandemic has dominated all our lives. And I think I am most pleased with the way the organisation responded to the need for guidelines, evidence, and we worked really really flexibly, really agilely, really quickly. Some of our, the listeners might be aware that we normally take two years to produce a guideline. So when I say we were producing guidelines in a week, it underpins how we did things differently. And it was obviously essential that the advice was out there. So I'm really, really pleased with how we responded. Well, as Jill says, 2020 has been a humdinger of a year, right? And, and my observation is that I'm really proud of all the work that the staff have done. And I'm actually in awe of their ability to keep the show on the road, to produce, as Jill says, the, the guidelines uh, in short order, and to do that without losing either the rigour and the strong commitment to the evidence base, but also to keep doing that with kind of commitment to the organisation, but more importantly, to the system that serves patients. So that has been, uh, for me, a, a real highlight. I think we've asked quite a lot of our staff also, because we've asked them to keep the engine running in extraordinary times, with, you know, facing a global pandemic. But we have also asked them to think about change. And it's really hard to keep doing business as usual and to think about new stuff and I think the staff have risen to that challenge and that has really been you know quite humbling to see thank you for listening to this episode of nice talks if you've enjoyed this episode please remember to click subscribe to keep up to date with our monthly podcasts you can also find us on facebook twitter linkedin and instagram with the handle at NiceComs. thanks for joining us from all of us at nice we wish you a safe and happy holiday season and a lovely new year until next time